ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rugby League Talks podcast. I'm Keegs. I'm Jacob. And today is going to be a bit of a different episode. So, obviously, the consistency of uploads has been very minimal because there's so many, so much shit. happening. Um, yeah, cracking my head open for starters. And getting a concussion. Yeah, we did get a concussion. Um, that was... I remember going downstairs and I think I said something about getting back from hospital last night. This was like a week ago. And then mum's boyfriend was just like, that was two days ago. So my, the head knock was a bit funny. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, actually, it probably it probably works out for me because it was funny to have that knock and then realize that there's NRL players going through that every few weeks. Like the yeah. Kiris, Pongers, Cordners of the world. And bloody hell, that's got to be scary. Especially with like, yeah, like you said, with like Jake Friend, Luke Keery, Boyd Courtner, the entire Roosters squad, basically. (laughs) Head knocks is a serious issue in the sport. And even like you, you just fell down. You didn't get head to like head to head contact. No, I, I just, I passed out and hit my head on the corner. Yeah. So for people are saying... Oh, yeah, you can play in a seven days. You can see why now the Super League has directed to go 11 days and not seven. Yeah, 110%. And honestly, it's the more we can do for stuff like that, the better because Jesus Christ. Yeah. And obviously, we see guys after their careers like James Graham who have been pretty vocal about the impact of head and concussions. Even so, um, Wally Lewis and Paul Green recently. Yeah, yeah, well, obviously, we saw um, with Paul Green where they um, did the examination of his brain and it was one of the worst cases of CTE the doctor had ever seen. So, Mm. obviously, we're starting to understand the importance of that, which is something that is good for our sport. Uh, Well, it's, it's, it's sad for the sport, but it's good for us as people. Yeah. It's good for the welfare of the players that we understand the impact and we're, we're not just glossing over it like we used to. And we are still in the early stages of developing this system, as well as finding that mm. balance between getting a fast and entertaining game, but also a safe, safe game. While I do not agree with the New South Wales Rugby League decision to not start tackling until early teenagers, I can see their opinion on why they should do it. But that opinion, my, my opinion is going to be for a later episode. I actually do want to talk about that um, mm. in more detail when I get more research into it. But this episode is going to be about very early Supercoach teams because it's off-season. Everyone's excited for next season. We have a early start to next year's season with uh, starting early February with the All-Stars game and then trials and... I think it's March. It's early March instead of late March that the season kicks off. So it's it's going to be an exciting time, but it's also going to be a cramped time. So with that, we decided let's make super coach teams with no prices that we know of. We do have a relatively good idea what these prices could be for each player. It's just a game of fun. And then when the prices actually come out, we're going to redo our teams, I think. 
yeah, and we'll be posting our teams, explaining them, and that that's going to be great fun. Yeah, because I'm I'm not actually a super coach player. I'm an NRL fantasy player. Uh, that's the one I use mostly just because I really like the app. To be honest, it's so straightforward. Yeah. But obviously, a lot of the same principles apply with scoring. Not the exact same ones, but a lot of similar ones. Hundred um, percent. I think we saw that this year. A lot of teams suffered because they didn't. They expected the high ceiling points for a lot of players, like your Tommy Turbos, your Clearies. However, mm. the rule changes over the twenty twenty one off season limited that. So. You, we had that new rule come in where if you get a penalty in a uh, set restart, sorry, in your, in your 40, you get a penalty instead, which really slowed down some games, but we didn't see those blowout scores like we did in yeah, well, it was, the previous season. It was the really close season towards the start. Um, mm. It felt like most games weren't decided until the end, which is, you know, as good as it gets. So... Hopefully, um, this season we don't see uh, the the great twenty twenty one anomaly coming back in form. Look, just the fact that Tommy Turbo averaged what was it two point three votes per game and only played fifteen games in that season was ridiculous. And it was. You have Nico Hines this season who broke it again. He broke Thurston's record, I believe. Wow, yeah. yeah. Well, that Nico, he was he was having crackers of games. I, I'll be honest, I'm surprised Matt Moylan uh, didn't pique the interests of any voters, but I guess it makes sense because Nico was the guy running everything. Yeah, so he definitely deserved it. Um, he was a beast in fantasy this year as well. I I considered getting him, but I didn't. Uh, very similar to Ruben Cotter and Tarpanay, who I also considered getting but didn't. Oh, uh, no. I, I actually, I had both of them in my team, and I think I would have sent it to you in the early days, but I took both of them out because I thought, no, no, you're you're being too confident in yourself. You should you should use that money on someone like a Turbo or a David Fafita. Um, obviously, that yeah, that was obviously the dumbest idea of my life um, because Tapanay went on to become the best prop in the NRL. Meanwhile, uh, Ruben Cotter had a massive leap up. Yeah. So, in honor of that, I, I'm going to choose Mitch Dunn. This year. <laughs> uh, I think I well, think that's if I've learned my lesson, I'm going to choose Mitch Dunn and whoever looks good in the All Stars game. I love that. But all right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, so I have my little notepad of stuff let's start with our hookers we have two hookers that we can select my first one is going to be brandon smith Mm. brandon uh not the best season for him in my opinion super coach wise uh he had that four weeks where he got suspended for saying you cheating bastard (laughs) gotta be honest i brought him so funny that week, and then I had to keep him for another four weeks without him playing. So oh, I was at, no. yeah. So I had um, Reese Robson starting, which was good, but then I had like mm. a spine spot that I couldn't play. 
Yikes. Yeah. So let's do a little stats. Brandon Smith averaged 45.5 points this season playing 20 games. Pretty good. Uh, he finishes this season with 471000 Dollars, which was a great decrease because he started the season off in the six hundred thousands. Jeez. Yeah. I just think it's while Smith is good. I still think they could. <sighs> Sam Bells was going to lock out anyway. I still think Smith, Brandon Smith is a lock. He's a great play of a ball. He's got a fast play of a ball. He can get you... T- if you're close to the line, he can get up as fast as he can. He can get you two points for a penalty if people try and lay on him. But he's also great for those tackle breaks. A lot of the points he gained this season were from tackle breaks. He's a small but yeah. hard-running fella. And mm. in a team with Teddy... Sawali Manu, he's going to be amazing for quick play the balls for those three guys. He start, starts off cheap. He has the only downside. He has a buy in week two, mm. but he does not play Origin. Mm. So. That's a good point. Yeah. What about you? Who's your first hooker? My first hooker, I'm going with Reed Marnie. Uh, the reason for Reed Marnie is basically going off his support running. I think that's going to provide some opportunities to bag some tries, just like it did uh, not this year, but last year. I think he will step up in that Bulldogs team, which is weird to say, coming off a team that just made the grand final. But... Obviously, Marnie, his own creativity wasn't quite what we expect from him. Uh, he is an absolute tackle bot. I, you know, he breaks up pretty consistent points just off his tackling week in, week out. You know, I think that's something that's going to work with him. But also the weapons that he's going to have at the dogs with his kicking game. I wouldn't be surprised if at least one time this year we see a try set up off Reed Marnie just flogging the ball and the fox chasing after it. Uh, other than that, mostly just his tackling abilities. Uh, I think he's an absolute tackle bot. And the second hooker is going to be Corey Pates. Uh, this is probably more of the wild card pick. Um, and I might, I'm probably not going to finalize this one until after trials because I want to see what the Broncos look like they're going to go for with their hooker rotations because they've also got Smoothie and Walters there. But uh, Pates is a very creative dummy half. He doesn't play that many minutes. But he is the type that can set up tries close to the line with his shiftiness, in addition to obviously making tackles like anyone at the hooker position does. I don't think he's a fantastic defensive nine compared to some other guys, uh, specifically with his first contact in defense. Because, you know, guys like Brandon Smith, Reese Robson, they really hit. But I feel like Pace has the potential to miss a fair few tackles. But other than that, mostly just a wild card pick for his craftiness. And also kind of banking on him to wear the number nine jersey at some point instead of just coming off as a 14. So hopefully there's some value in that price-wise. I do see where you're coming from with that shiftiness. And 
I 100% agree with how the Broncos have handled this 9 jersey this season. You named three guys there, Walters, Smoothie, and Pakes. I also want to throw in a fourth, which is Blake Moser. Moser, I don't think he will because Moser, he's only played a couple games of Q Cup. Okay. And he went back to Hastings Deerings. So I think, and that was coming off the bench in Q Cup. So I think he's going to work through that level before we see him at NRL level this year. Okay, yeah. With that, it's still got that, like, if he is in the top 30, you do have that cheapy option for mm. just like a, say you want to spend a lot of money on like your Cleary's or your Hines, like those kind of guys. You have that ability to put Moza in your second half, the second hooker, so mm. With my second hooker, I've gone with a cheapy that can gain you a lot of cash early on and you can throw him out for another bloke at some point. That's Mitch Kenny. He's replacing Appy Corusau at the Panthers. I should have thought of that. Well, uh, the moment Appy, I realised Appy was leaving this year, I thought Mitch Kenny. But the other f- one there is Sonny Luke. You have two yeah. genuine hookers. The issue is I have with Mitch Kenny is what the hooker rotation is going to be with Sonny Luke at mm. 14. you got no Jermaine Hopgood anymore. Jermaine's gone to... Eels, but with the limited time that we saw of Mitch Kenny, it was okay. It was good. He averaged 35.5 minutes this season, playing 21 games. With that, he averaged 29.5 points. It's not too bad. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's more of a pressure-taking off nine that you start to absorb things defensively, I think. Yeah. Whereas you've got um, Sonny Luke, who is the craftier guy. I think Sonny Luke is going to do pretty well in terms of setting up tries in that Coruscant role with more fatigued defenders. Especially because he was part of that 2015 Penrith youth comp team uh, with Cleary, Luai, Dylan Edwards... Uh, Dylan Edwards actually played a few games at 5'8 uh, in yeah, juniors, right. by the way. That's, yeah, under 20s. That's that's my fun fact of the day. Uh, Tyrone May, who, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Ty- then the, yeah, Ty- yeah, that yeah. was a, he was part of that core, part of that team that saw a lot of success. It'll be interesting to see how Sonny Lou goes. I'm surprised he hasn't played as much NRL so far. I think that's because they just got Appy in that. Yeah. Nine, and then you got um, Kenny in that fourteen. So he hasn't really got that opportunity yet. I think he did get an yeah. opportunity at one stage this year. He did debut. Yeah, was it was the Cowboys? I think. I think it was earlier. It oh, would yeah. have been around Origin time with Appy and oh, Cam. Barry went into camp. Yeah. But like you, with your second hooker option, I really want to see what this hooker rotation is going to be. Who knows? Sonny mm. might not even be the 14 yet. It could be other yeah, well, person. Yeah, well, we, we really don't know. So it'll be interesting to see, but I do think it'll be pretty likely he is there. But yeah, yeah, we'll have to see because there's, there's always some surprises that happen uh, in preseason. For example, a lot of people thought that Sel and Cobo would have been gunning for the fullback jersey at the Broncos. Yep. But, you know, he had that game against the Cowboys in trials where he didn't go quite well. And that completely changes the trajectory of the Broncos' season, by the way. 
because we start off with Tessie New, who then gets injured, and that's where Tamari Martin comes in. Mm, yeah. So that's this is another thing. A lot of people on forums, some of them say, I'm not interested in these trials because, you know, it's only young players. Watch the trials. They're bloody important for your team and figuring things out. You know, one bad game from a young player, that can scrub them out of the jersey and send the team back to a different position. Some guys like Kohler over at Manly can have a cracker of a game and that can catapult them into the starting 17. 100%. Brad Parker, um, the fire Hank Scorpio, didn't get a <laughs> run at all last season, I don't think. Oh, he had a couple games, but then he had an injury and he didn't get back into the side. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't his jersey once Cole started putting in these performances, so... Yeah. Um, moving on to the front row forwards. Mm. I've got... I'm a bit questionable. This is still undecided because I can't seem to, like... Spine and um, centre wings I'm fine with, but when it gets into these boys... The front row forwards, I'm, I get a bit iffy because if you want a genuine good front row forward, you have to spend some cash. You really do. So I've this is, at this current time, my starting forwards are going to be Tavita Pengai Jr. and Junior Barlow. Mm. Tavita, he could be playing that. 13, with Josh Jackson now leaving the club. He's now retired. You also got uh, RTM, who will probably play a second row. So, we'll get to him later. Pangai averaged 49.9 points from 19 games. He is at a very discounted price too, with 3,408. Oh, three three hundred and forty-eight thousand. At the start of the season, he was five hundred thousand, like five hundred and sixty thousand. Wow! So a discounted one. He's great for offloads. He's great for tackle breaks. He's a big body. You have that Matt Burton. You have Reed Marnie coming in for the club. Well, there you've got Kickout coming in as well. Yep. Who will take a bit of load off that forward pack? Yeah, hundred percent. That'll be very exciting. And then with Barlow, I just... I wanted to go with Clemmer, but then he went to Tigers. I went with Barlow because he's an all-around good forward. He plays at Origin. That's the only downside I see. However, Mm. he did play 22 games this season with Mm. an average of 50. And he is 456,000. He's a good offloader, good tackle breaker. I could see him getting some good attacking stats. Mm. Uh, we do. He may even get more minutes because we do have a lot of absences within that Eels forward pack because a lot of people left. Uh, Ogan Kafusi is the first one that comes to mind. Mm. And then on my bench, I'm going to get Frank Palais, another Bulldogs boy. Very young. He does get that... Um, with uh, Vaughan leaving in the front row forwards, I think he could get a crack. Even Jackson T- Topini, I think that's how I say his last name. He's a yeah. he's a great clubman. I expect him to debut, or if he, I think he has debuted yet. 
can't remember. Yeah, I think he's debuted. Yeah, he's a he's a great he's a great bloke, and he's proven himself a knock-on effect. And in my last front row forward is he talking is Stefano talking Manu. Oh yeah. He only played Not too nine. Bad. He played nine games this year. Two hundred and seventy-nine thousand dollars. That's what he was worth at the end of the season. Jeez. So you could see that I did take some liberty with getting a very discounted forward pack. But there's some big questions surrounding that Tigers forward pack where the trials will come in handy. Yeah. No, that's... No, I think I agree. It's just a matter of seeing if those guys do crack the 17 and get the time. Because other than that, they're, they're pretty solid picks. Uh, I've this way I would splash. Oh, sorry, I decided I would splash a bit on my middles. Uh, starting off, we have Payne Haas and Ruben Cotter. Uh, we've gone for two guys who make plenty of tackles, take plenty of runs. Payne Haas, especially Payne Haas, uh, he I think he saw a bit of a price dip because he wasn't putting up the same astronomical numbers he was uh, is in 2021. But that's also because he was playing injured. Mm. Uh, I also think that off the back of Reese Walsh's kick returns, they're going to see some really high-quality hit-ups coming after that, and that's where Payne Haas is really going to come in. I do think the Broncos are going to level up a bit next year. Um, so I, I do think a lot of it's going to come off the back of Haas. Cotter, uh, like I said, he, he just makes so many tackles. He will tackle literally anything that walks. It's you know, there's a reason that he's got that nickname, the the Harry Cotter, the boy who tackles, or whatever. <laughs> Cohen Hess and the boys want about Cohen Hess. He comes up with too many things. Uh, I'm surprised that's I'm, not a tons of nickname, to be honest. Yeah, I think we all are. I think I think Tunza is just our internet version of Cohen Hess at this point. Um, hopefully, he takes that as a compliment. Uh, then on the bench, we've gone for, and this is, this last spot's up to debate. First one, we're going with Jacob Saifidi. Uh, honestly, we'll take whichever Knights Saifidi is cheaper. Uh, I do think that they'll work quite nicely coming off, taking hit-ups off the back of Jackson Hastings or whoever's controlling their board pack. We, we don't know what the Knights are going to look like. Uh, but the reason they're going for this one is because they've had a poor season last year. Obviously, they've had a pretty decent price dip, but I, as much as I think the Knights are still going to suck next year, by the way, uh, I I don't think Saifidi will be doing that bad, and I think it will be a respectable pick to put in. I also don't see him playing Origin this year, uh, not if Payne Haas is healthy. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, the next one, James Tamo. Uh, <laughs> if if he gets a spot, because uh, obviously I made the graph a while ago. I don't know if we've posted on the page uh, where basically it plots James Tamo's play the ball speed against the rest of the West Tigers, and he beat it in every single game except two. And he actually had some pretty quick play the balls in some games. It's a technical aspect of James Tamo's game that I really like. Uh, so I'm happy the Cowboys have Big Jimmy. But 
obviously he's not really going to take too many runs for big distances. Mm. Uh, at least compared to something, he's just going to be a bench prop of the Cowboys, so it, there won't be much value in it. It's just because he'll be fairly cheap. Uh, and we also don't even know if he's going to play because Mitch Dunn is going to be healthy. We don't know if he's going to be playing the second row rotation. Tamo could be switched for Dunn at any point because I think that if he does play in the middle, that he will make a pretty large number of tackles given his line speed. So, yeah, that's something that I'm waiting on for the preseason and to see how the Cowboys forward pack looks because there is some pretty big competition on that Cowboys bench. There is, and you also have that um, big question mark on the left edge with the second row spot at the moment with uh, Luch's charge. Uh, we're still waiting on the court hearing for that. You've also yeah. got um, Lukey coming back from an ACL injury. We don't know if he'll be back yeah. round one. I expect him to be back about round six. Um, when I think when we start off, it's going to be Jack Gosiewski starting, mm-hmm. and it'll be Mitch Dunn off the bench or vice versa. But I, I expect you know Jackie to be starting there. You could even like just for like a quick buck because prices don't change until each player has played three games. You could have that Gozowski there for like a quick buck once he gains however much, trade him out, get Lucky yeah. or whoever takes that spot. It's really a situational. We're still waiting. So, yeah, big questions of around that forward pack for cows. Um, funny enough that Fox League actually ranked Cowboys at one. I do think they're very good. Panthers... I think they're very good, but I don't think they're the best in the comp. No. Which yeah. I say is like a one-eyed Cowboys fan. Like, it's... I don't think you can rank us the best forward in the comp when one of our best forwards is out with an ACL for a while with Lukey. Mm. Um... Another one of our best forwards in Leilua is dealing with the court hearings. One of our best forwards and one of the better forwards in Queensland, Tom Gilbert, has just left the team. Yep. I, yeah. And look- I, I don't know. And that's, no, because we've got some bloody fantastic players as it is. It's the Cowboys in our forward pack. Uh, Jordan McLean, he's nothing to sneeze at. He really tightened up our defense, except for that one single play against the Eels. He <laughs> was pretty good. Um, obviously, he came back against when we had that game against the Broncos and we put on like 40 points or something. Yeah. And so we looked like we had them contained the entire game as well, up until towards the end where we just kind of let off a bit. And it could be just so, like yeah. Fox League not trying to suck off Panthers too much, even which is though... funny because now that they keep sucking off the cows so much, yeah, despite death riding them so much last off season. Like I remember when, you know, this time last year it was constant spoon predictions, and we had all those links of like, oh, Reese Robson's going to the Tigers for twenty twenty. Yeah, Robson to Tigers, drink water to Tigers or Knights, Nanai, Lukey, Tigers. No, it was yeah, it was ridiculous. It was absolute amateur hour. But the fact that you they ranked Panthers as six is it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's... They they deserve a top three spot. This could be at, at the minimum. Yeah. They're just firing up James Fisher-Harris more. If you had 
Okay, so I don't know what they did. I, I don't know if they were picking from this season, like just gone, or next season. If they're picking from next season, honestly, you could see why they kind of dampened with no kick out and Appy. But if you're picking from this season, it's Panthers, Sharks. It'll be next season. It'll be next season. But it's just yeah. yeah. It's just six. I don't know. You can't you can't rank next season. You can rank this season. But them six, ridiculous. Yeah, it's. I just can't get over Cowboys a one despite the fact that they're losing Tom Gilbert, Luke and Luki, basically. Right. There's still time for Gilbert to just like nah, drop his bags at the airport after before his first game and go. I'm going back back home. It's, it's over. I I kept telling Mate. myself that, but I saw the photos of him at Dolphins training. It's over. Yeah. Um. It's so sad. Well, speaking of second row forwards, let's move on to them. Yeah. Who do you got starting for you? Who do I have as my starting second rowers? Let me get the list back up. Yep, so we have David Fafida and Felice Kafusi. Which I I don't know if that's gonna work out price wise, but yeah. Yeah. What about like because you got you got three starting second row forwards because Supercoach likes to add the lock in that three? Area. Yeah. Uh, well the next the the lock is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Um yeah. Yep, okay, Aaron Clark is going to be the lock. Yep, okay, yeah, I see why, yep. Same here, because my starting three is Aaron Clark, Corey Harawiyanaira, and Patrick Carrigan. It's not bad at all. So, um, sorry, you go. So, yeah, Aaron Clark, uh, obviously the Titans have Sam Verrills now which means that Clark is going to be playing a bit of 13. Uh, if you go to Fox League Stats Lab and look at uh, this running statistics for locks, Aaron Clark was really impressive. Uh, he was towards the top of average runs, uh, average meters per run, which is really impressive. Uh, obviously, he's got his ball-playing ability as well, but the Titans attacking shapes with him at first receiver. I'm expecting a bit more of them. He'll get a bit more touches. We'll run the ball a bit more often and become more of a focal point of the Titans' attacking shape. Yep. Hopefully that does eventuate because I actually think he's quite good at that middle role. And hopefully it means a bit more effective minutes as well because at Hawker, he was kind of eh. But at Lock, there's a bit more potential because he was actually a halfback for the Warriors and Juniors, I believe. I noticed that while playing Rugby League Live 4 the other day. I was yeah. playing it, I think it was Holden Cup, and I'm like, Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> yep, that's that's where Aaron Clark is. He's a halfback for Warriors and Holden Cup initially. So that's pretty pretty fascinating. You know, I think Paul Turner is like a second rower there or something. Yeah, right. Um, whereas he made his debut playing in the halves for the Titans. So... Interesting. And I, I think he's also played fullback before. I'm not 100% sure, though. All-arounder. All-arounder. A real a real Jay Granville type. Oh, fuck. I knew you were going to mention him. How could you not? Um, so, 
Kafusi is more, yeah, Dolphins. You got to have like a Dolphins second row, and you need a forward and just Dolphins because you got yeah. Sullivan. Not just that, and Milford. Sorry. Yeah, well, I think that Kafusi is also he runs a pretty good line. Mm. I, I think he'll get the points. He'll become a focal point of running the ball up for the Dolphins. They'll use him a lot in attack, I expect as well. So. Hopefully that eventuates. If it doesn't, then obviously we've got the other selection of David Fafita, who have their price drop a fair bit because they haven't gone to the same lofty expectations. But I think that David Fafita playing next to Kieran Foran is going to be something very nice. Assuming Foran is on that left side, if he isn't, they'll still have Foran playing footy for them, obviously. So he's still going to help organise their attack. Hopefully it should mean that Fafita gets more ball. Also, Fafita has been playing injured for like the entire year. Mm. Um, he obviously wasn't going to play that well. I'm kind of banking on the Titans not forcing him back out there with that rib injury. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much they gave him one the fucking All Stars game. Yeah, no, well he um he just that was something he was reaggravating as well because he already had that. So Fafita, he he just keeps injuring that rib. But yeah. I also think that having uh, Verils is going to be pretty good for them as well because it's going to be better service than what Aaron Clark was dishing up to get to the playmakers, which means that they'll be able to get the balls for Fida a little bit earlier and just wind him up. Well, okay, so... Wind him up, watch him go. We don't know what the spot... Like, we know Sam Verils will play hooker. We yep. don't know if Fallen will play as a half or the 5-8. If he plays as a 5-8, that means Brimo misses out there and Tenor Boyd may go seven. So then it's Brimo and Campbell for that fullback jersey. I yep. think. I st- I think you put like Justin Holbrook still gives Tenor Boyd a chance because I thought he was really great at the back end of the season. However, if Forwin does play in the seven jersey, he will have he will be on the edge with David Fafita. Whereas if he plays six, he'll be on the edge with both Fermore. Fermore showed a great... He, he showed a high ceiling last year. Just a little bit of errors in his game that he needs to fix up over this preseason. He got into origin camp in the third game, but if they were second row at the Titans, I think you're pretty happy if um, Fawn's on your side. You're rooting for Fawn to be on your side. Yeah, well, not just that, but you've also got Brimo having more time under his belt. Uh playing halves at an NRL level at the very least. I think he's more of a monster running type player than the, you know, Dearden foreign kind of playmaking six uh, in terms of setting up other players. But either way, I think that the Titans spine is going to look a lot better starting from that hooker position. Um, As much as I speak praise of Tanner Boyd, I hope that we do see Foran at seven. I actually mm. didn't think Foran was a bad seven when he was at the Bulldogs. I think it was the same as Luke Keery moving to seven, where he does the small things right. He makes good reads in attack. He digs into the line. He times his pass as well. But, you know, he doesn't really make those flashy plays or run the ball heaps like they did in the other position. And people translate that in their heads to thinking that they're not playing as well. Yeah. And you, you need that balance where 
it was kind of like um what we were talking about with Knights, how, like, I think it was before the show, how you got Hastings and Gamble who don't have a lot of creativity, so you need to have that second half that will have that cre- creative mind. Kind of like mm. how you had Dylan Brown this year and you had Mitchell Moses doing the kicking, the short passes, the arrangement, and then you got Brown running. Really, I think... If you're going to have Tenor Boyd in the halves before, and I don't think that's a great idea. I think they're more of that organising, kicking half, mm. which what you have brought for and for, you haven't brought him for his flashy plays. You've, you've brought him to revitalise David Fafida, in my opinion. So yeah. I think Brimo needs to go six. Honestly, I know I said yeah. earlier... Tanner Boyd deserves to have a shot. He he totally does. It's just you need opposite halves. You can't have the same type of playing halves. You can't have two organizing and halves. If if you do, they need to be all rounders of some sort. I actually mm. think you can have two organizing halves, but because for example, take a look at Queensland in game three, for example, where they had the pairing of Deard and Cherry Evans. Uh Obviously, Dearden's known for his running, but he is—he does organise his side of the field, um, and they kind of set up in like this wishbone formation with attacking, where both halves were playing halfback on each side of the field. Mm-hmm. Says I, I rewatched Game Three more than any reasonable human being should, because of how much I love Tommy Dearden. So I I also um, was positioned quite well on the seats to be able to look at it, and it was it was a really interesting attacking formation that ran with the one half on each side. It was a very simplistic, basic one, but worked very effective. Yeah, so right. I do think that co-organizers can work in that role. Also, uh, Cowboys in the earlier rounds of this year, where Hamaso was the fullback, um, Tom did and touched the ball a lot more then compared to when Drinkwater came in the team. And it was similar with Dearden and Townsend. Both of them were organising the attack together. Uh, furthermore, I also like to add Morgan and Thurston. Okay, yeah, you've proven me wrong here, but no, I do get what you mean. <laughs> it's no, I'm I'm very passionate about co-organising halves. You can see, but that's also the thing. You had those two types of halves. But while they organise their side... They work together and complement each other's strengths. Yeah. And they're all and, good rounders. They can yeah. run the footy. Exactly. All rounders that both can run. But can you uh, see if, if, Tanner and Fawn being that? That's the question. Yeah, I think... Okay. I think both of them have okay running games. It'd be worse if you threw in Sexton because he, like legitimately yeah. just does not run the ball that well at 100%. all. Like he's probably the slowest halfback in the comp. And this is a competition that includes Chad Townsend. Um I, I love Chad. I love him. But he, he knows what he knows what yeah, he knows what his strengths are and he plays to them. Yeah. Um he's not a freakish athlete. I, he's I, he's quite the opposite. I kinda of just thought because like I was re watching some old get like old, old games where you had those two halves where they would lay, where they where they played similar styles and that didn't work. Yeah. Um Rugby League Guru put this up like I think today. It was Laurie Daly and 
um, Ricky, how they yeah. complemented them each other so well. Mm. And then you had that Thurston and Morgo one, and then they have that Moses and Brown, and then you have Cleary who does run the ball when he can. He has a great running game. Yeah, he's he's got wheels and and he's strong. Yeah. He's, he's a bit like Ben Hunt in that regard. He's not just fast, but he's also he's got a lot of strength about him. Um, and also, furthermore, I think in terms of having two halves that run the ball well at the Storm, you've got Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've also got, over at the Sharks, you've got Nico and Moylan. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Rewatching Matt Moylan's highlights from 2014 is such a weird experience compared to how he plays now. Is that when he's playing fullback at Panthers? Yep, fullback at Penrith, and he was nailing clutch field goals, and he was he was doing it all. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd get home. I'd get home from swimming lessons just to watch Moylan kick a field goal on NFL 360, and it'd be he was he's a hell of a player. And yeah, he was playing Origin at fullback a few years after that too. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've kind of got a little tangent here. (laughs) We have. My bad. Um, no, that's good because I, that was great to be honest. I I think (laughs) that the Titans are a team to watch with super coach rise. Uh, a lot of like stuff you got to think about this Titan side. Um, going on to my others. So I've got Harith. Ben Trebojevic and Jermaine Hopgood. Jermaine Hopgood is going to be coming into an Eels side, which will have a lot of room in the 17. Where he plays, I don't know. I think he'd be... I'm thinking he would be a middle forward that would be coming off the bench because you got Maddo. He may even play second row with Papalihi gone. Mm. But... So I got Corey Harawa Naira and Patrick Cowgins as my other two starters, and Aaron Clark yeah. at 13. So my thinking of Corey is you've got Adam Adiot, who has moved to Newcastle. You'll have yeah. a... And when Adam Elliott was off the field for Canberra, they had Whitehead move into the middle with Corey going into that second row spot because he's a great line yeah. runner have, that we have mentioned before. Yeah. I could see Corey being a great point scorer and he doesn't play Origin and he could play 80 minutes. Yeah, Liz, have you seen the photos of him in preseason? He is... Oh, yeah. He is looking pretty big. That's that's a tackle-busting machine right there. I hear he's on the Liver King diet. Liver King. Do you, please tell me you know who that is. I don't... Oh, bro. I've heard of it. Fuck, my joke didn't land. Oh, God. Ah, it'll it'll Um, land afterwards. Look it up, please, because it's the funniest fucking thing. Like, to me, (laughs) I I find a lot of stuff funny, but that is just, bro, you're an idiot. Like, to this guy, Liver King. Basically, (laughs) he is jacked. Like, jacked. And he's on a carnival diet. He said... I don't take roids. Anyway, I think it was like five <laughs> days ago. E- emails got leaked, and then he got exposed. He takes he he takes a fucking horse steroid. Oh my god! And <laughs> what he does, right? 
it's they are all his steroids are closely monitored by a practitioner. God. And he buys twelve grand worth of steroids per month. Oh my god. So whenever so now whenever I see like a preseason bloke getting like heavily jacked, like um Lukey on my like liver king diet. <laughs> it's on the 2011 Cronulla Sharks program. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Cronulla Sharks, fucking Bronson Zuri's coming back to doggies. That's fucked. Good ways. That's fucked. He should not be allowed back in the sport, in my opinion. I'm, I'm neutral on him coming back to the sport because I'm okay with the second chance. But what I think is funny is that the Bulldogs have signed him for two years and they've done it one year in advance. Mm. So obviously they're they're pretty keen on him, which is just the really funny thing. Has he played I, footy I in the four years he's been suspended? I, I don't think so. I don't. I think he's just been in the gym, to be honest, if you've seen it him. It fucking he's, looks like it. He's, <laughs> it's but... so funny. It's such a, like, of course the dogs did it. They're oh, yeah. signing every- It's the feel good way. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Patrick Cowgan. Paddy Cowgan. Yeah. Uh, who are you- So we'll quickly just name-, name off your three on the bench. Who you got for the second rowers? Who you on the bench? Uh, up a check, I think I had. Because I'm not sure. In Supercoach, do your, your bench scores count, don't they? Um, so in Supercoach, you have your start in 13 and then you can put four bench players that they count. Okay. Yeah. Cause the people on my bench are also the, some of the backup second rowers for, and so what I've got is the Saifidi, Tamo, Elias Katoa from the Storm. Yeah. And that's Corey Pace coming after that. Uh, Elias Katoa, I think he's going to spot into the team. He's going to be doing the replacing of Kafusi at the very least. I think he's going to go up a level being at the Storm, playing outside of that spine that they have there. You know, Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Monster, Pappenhausen. It, it, it's going to be pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I was... So when all that loot shit went down and Gilbert leaving, I kind of wanted Katola to come to uh, go to North Queensland because I think he's he played... wasn't. Oh, he might have. Did he play under Peyton? He did. He played under Peyton, and I think that's when mm. he played his best footy at the Warriors. Yeah, well, it's it's the same as I think Petahiku as well. So, yeah. but unfortunately, it didn't work out like that. I don't blame him for going to Melbourne. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Melbourne comes knocking. You gotta take it. Pretty much. Um, moving on to now, the third, the second spine. Which is halfback. Yep. My two halfbacks. So one needs an introduction, which is Luke Metcalf. Uh, was that Sharks? Is Warriors. Now the Warriors, yes. Uh, he played one game this season. He's a cheapy option, I will say. Another one that will be need to be watched in the trials because you have Martin there. You also have Ronald Volkman. So with um. CHT leaving, it adds some 
questions over that 5'8 jersey. We So it's already been announced that Chinese Nico Klostad will be playing fullback with uh, Reese Walsh exiting the club. So that leaves the 5'8 being the only spine position that needs to be um, secured. We have three genuine options in Volkman, Thierry Martin, and Luke Metcalf. At the moment, I think Martin gets to jump for the sixth jersey. Yeah, I think Webster's already said that he's pretty happy with tomorrow. Um, we could, if Chinese doesn't go good at fullback, you could shift him to the centres. Uh, to be honest, I would love to see Chinese and Dallin play alongside each other. On an, on an edge. And then you get you shift Martin the fullback and you add Volkman or Metcalf into five eight. I just wanna see Volkman play some NRL footy because he fucking killed it in knock on effect from time to time and I wanna see him achieve some good footies. He's got the goods. He's got the goods. My second halfback no, needs no introduction. In fact, the only... Because I had notes for every player. The only note I have for this bloke is it's Nathan fucking Cleary. <laughs> he, okay. He started at... I think it was 900k at the start of the season. He then dropped down to just below 700k. At one point, he was worth a million dollars. He only played 14 games. He will play Origin. He is he is the rep halfback. Obviously, we know what happened in the back end of the season. He decided to nearly kill Dylan Brown accidentally, and he got suspended for five games. He also didn't play the first. He was so mature in the response to that. Pardon? He was so mature in the response to that. I can't remember what it is. Cleary, he was he just posted on his Instagram that he was sorry for letting everyone down about it, and then he got straight to training. Uh, he, he worked very hard on his game on his five weeks out, and he came back from the five week suspension in the first week of the finals, bombs the eels to death, mm-hmm. and just looks like he did not miss a beat. He probably looked even better than from before the suspension. So. Props to the bloody the mentality of Nathan Cleary. He's he's a true professional. Hundred percent, and you know why he got selected over DCE at the back end of that World Cup. Um, could we see this this coming year a like you said a better Nathan Cleary, a Nathan Cleary who has had a World Cup under his belt, a World Cup win back-to-back premierships and an off-season. Could we see Cleary reaching that million dollars again? I think it's potential. I think potentially he could do it. It's just how the points work for this Supercoach season. Like you said, he bombed the Eels to death. You don't get a lot of uh, points for kicking. Mm. Um... Could he set up more tries this year with Happy Chorus out of a fray? Yeah, that's a big question too. You get that Mitch Kenny in there. Um, important to note that his edge is untouched. Um, yep. That edge being himself, Liam Martin, Crichton, Toho. 
What about you? Who are your halves? Who's your halfback? My halfbacks are starting off. We have Tom Dearden. Just assuming that we keep him in the halves. Um, so you see the way it works in, uh, you get two halves mm. in um, fantasy. NRL fantasy, yeah. And the halves that we have are Anthony Milford and Tom Dearden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really expecting anything that big from Milford. I just think that because he's at the Dolphins, he's probably going to get a fair bit of play. Uh, we've also got Isaiah Katoa from the Finns in there as well. He's oh. going to be very cheap because he obviously hasn't played an NRL game. But if things go south with Milford, I think... Yeah, um, Bennett and Milford are great friends. Also... Was Katoa for seven for Tonga this year? Katoa, yeah, Katoa did play some part as a halfback. Um, he, he is a halfback. So, uh, Milford is, I think Milford's jersey is going to be safe. I think he will play well under Bennett. But he'll enjoy his footy more. He's a pretty crafty player. Uh, we've got Dearden, obviously. I do think Dearden can improve. I think he's going to be missing. Uh, Tom Gilbert, which is going to suck because he was great mates with him off the field uh, by all seeming accounts. Uh, but thankfully, Cohen Hess has been taking good care of Tom Bearden. <laughs> um, checking his Instagram stories, I remember early on, it was taking my son to gym. Uh, it's just Tom Bearden doing leg press. That's cute. And then he says, taking my other son to gym, and he posts Griffin Neem just sitting there. So... Cohen S is taking great care of the boys. That's good um, form. And yeah, and obviously, we, so yeah, Dearden, Milford, and Isaiah Katoa. I think Dearden can improve. Uh, obviously, we've seen him kicking everyone's butts in the 1.2 kilometer test. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's obviously as fit as he gets. He, he's the fittest player in the NRL, probably, to be honest. Um, obviously he broke the Telstra tracker record for distance covered in a game. So stats are there to back it up. I'm and t- I think that having more time under his belt in that spine with drink water, he will be able to run things more smoothly. So I'm tempted to see because I've told everyone about this wall at the Cowboys training, all the records yeah. that they have, I want to see is when I was there last, Cotter had the record for the 1.2, so I wonder if um, Tommy took it off him the other day. Yeah, but it'll be very interesting to see uh, if we can get someone to suss that out. That'd be pretty nice. I, I, got, I got some contacts. I'll know who to text. That's fine. That's, that's lovely. Yeah, uh, yeah, because oh, obviously didn't... You didn't somehow... I'll be there even... Thursday morning, actually. Never mind. Oh, lovely. Yeah. You can report back to us. I will. If Dearden somehow has gotten even fitter, despite just breaking the Telstra tracker record against the Sharks, what what can the NRL expect from him, really? You've got the rest of everyone else on the field is tired, and you've just got Tom Dearden, who's one of the quickest players off the mark as well. Yeah, doing a Castle Hill run at half-time. Yeah, he's... Oh, um, scary news for the NRL. Yep. Uh, but very good news for fantasy, and I, I think Tom Dearden takes an extra step up. Uh, I hope he does, obviously, as a Cow fan. So, yeah. 
I could see him taking a bit oh. of a step up because, you know, Chad is getting to the end of his contract now. I know he's only played one year, but it's... He's on a three-year deal, I think. Okay, so these next two years is just trying to develop his craft, so then you could get him playing in at seven and someone else in the six, who that six will be, don't know. Maybe. Depends how Tom Duffy comes along as well. There's a lot yeah. of things that could happen. Tom Duffy genuinely could take a spot, even Jake Burke at this point. Yeah, there's lots uh, happening. So that'll... The cows halves in a few years' time. I, I personally don't want Drinkwater to play six. Yeah, same here. I think I he's... Just, I want us to keep Drinkwater at fullback, especially now that Hammer's gone. Mm. That's It should be out of the question because... When you have a fullback that can organise the defence well and is also one of the best attacking weapons in the comp, the fullback, don't move them. Yeah, uh, exactly. Especially when you know it opens them up to their weaknesses with defending the line. 100%. Don't do it. Um, moving on to the five eights for myself. Yep. I think this is on everyone's mind when I say... One of these blokes. The first bloke is Matt Burton. The second bloke is Josh Schuster. Ooh. Josh Schuster has been given the sixth jersey, basically, before Fallen even got announced to the Titans. Anthony Seabold has come out and said, I will take Schuster at the six. He gets first dibs. There you go. Yeah, well, he's, he's been working pretty hard on it, too, to my knowledge, because uh, obviously we saw the photos of him running up the hill with Des Hasler, <laughs> which yeah. is, is just, I've got to say... It's awkward to look back on now. It's a bit awkward. But, yeah, obviously, Des cared a lot about getting Trista in shape, and Trista, obviously, was he was going with it because, you know, he, he could have been at the World Cup with Samoa, but he decided to stay back and work hard on getting fit. Yeah, which is great mentality is pretty, from him. Yeah, pretty pretty good mentality from a guy that a lot of people were saying was going to be a slow, lazy. So, yeah. Um, a props to him, I guess. The big draw for me for Schuster and a lot of people, because it's no, it's no secret, he's going to be dirt cheap when, it's, when everything comes out. Uh, he lost a lot of money this year because of uh, being on the bench and injuries. He, he also played. did not run the ball at all. No, and we fucking we, just... we drilled into him for that. Yep. That was, yep. I think, that was one of the most. Every now and then, I just go on those rants, you know, whether it's Luke Brooks or Josh Gustav, where they do like one thing and it just absolutely makes my head explode. I want to place... I'm going to get a spreadsheet and I'm going to place bets on who you're going to target this year. <laughs> my money's I wouldn't on, say target. Well, not target, but rant about the most. My money currently is on Milford at Dolphins. Mm. No, I, can, I, can I bet on myself? Is it, is it Matt yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. It's going to be Matt Burton. Oh, really? Matt, yeah, Matt Burton is going to be the player that frustrates me the most. Uh, he he already was at some points last year. Uh, he has a propensity to just not run the ball when it's on sometimes. And that annoys me because running the ball is actually one of his best strengths. 
Um, he also gets very flat-footed in defense, a bit like Adam Dewey does. Oh, okay. And that also really annoys me because... I hate when you see like an overlap and there's a guy who's just kind of standing there with his back hunched over instead of getting into any athletic stance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I think is just because I'm used to watching Tom Dearden. <laughs> uh, and, before, and before that, you know, we had Thurston, who was also one of the great effort players. Yeah. So I grew up so used to that. So seeing a half kind of just be a walk up the line is a bit, yeah. yeah. I don't know about lazy. I think it's just a technique thing. I think it's just how Burton grew up defending. It would be. Um, Interesting. It'll be interesting to see how Serraldo develops him because obviously he's coming from Panthers. They have a history together. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be good to see. Well, it'll be a preseason that isn't the Trent Barrett yeah. method of whatever that was. So it'll be interesting to see how Burton goes over the next year. Well, let's move on. In that case, to center wings. Now, with fantasy, I know you... So, you pick two centers and two wingers? Yep. And two fullback. centers and three wing fullbacks. Okay. Obviously, with Supercoach, you pick four starting center wings. It doesn't matter. You can have all centers, all wings. And then you have three... No. One, two, three. Yeah, three on the bench. Hmm. So you get seven all up. My starting set, my starting four is Brian Toho, Luke Garner, Valentine Holmes, and Salomon Cobo. Mm. Valentine Holmes is a big one for me. He's gonna he he's gonna be pretty expensive. I think he's worth it. You have Tom Dearden on that on his edge. He was the top point scorer this season, and he's a great line runner. The only question I've got with him, again, is that second row spot. Who gets it? Luke Garner will be most likely replacing Kikau on the left edge of Panthers. And then you have Brian Toho, who takes a lot of PCMs, and then Salomon Cobo, who's a scoring machine. Yeah. What about yourself? I have gone for... And this is subject to change depending entirely on what Greg Marzu does. Um, so, starting off for our wings, we have Raito. Uh, how could I not? He's an absolute beast. Um, on the other wing, which is a fullback spot, we've got Jaden Campbell. Yep. I'm expecting him to play fullback. I think he'll get that jersey. Um, if he doesn't, I am looking at Greg Marzu because he will be pretty cheap. I imagine having not played too much of the times. If he does get a main nod for the jersey uh, over at the Knights, he will rack up ridiculous fantasy scores, I think. The only downside of him is defense. (laughs) Yeah, but thankfully, you know, he... Missing a few tackles a game, try causes aren't something that's included in their real fantasy. So he can let in all the tries he wants, similar to lots of guys like Gutherson and Gutherson on a technicality, really. Um, yeah. Uh, Panasini last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Um. So with Marzu going to Knights, we spoke about it beforehand. Uh, the great Queensland winger. 
go back to one of our early episodes where we literally just talked so much shit. It was so cooked. That we... It was that was legendary. Yeah, yeah. But I was so the embarrassed. Post, two it days was later, the game two, out. the game two state of origin analysis. Bro, I was so, I was just like laughing, but like so embarrassed at the same time when I found out he same. was a Kiwi. Sad. <laughs> it was a glorious moment though. It turned into a meme for the while of the Cowboys Discord. It still is. Still is. Origin legend Greg Marzi. Yep. Um, did you have any bench fellas? Wait, who are your centres, sorry? You kind of cut out there for a second. Oh, my centres. Uh, we didn't speak with the centres. We have Aaron Shop and Hemiso Taboifito. Oh, wow, okay. Um, Shop, I think he walks into that Titans team. Uh, I think he'll take a decent amount of carries. I think he'll bag a few tries. Especially with Corey Thompson now retiring, Jojo Fafita will go to a ring, and Marju now leaving. Um Try assists galore if he's on the back of those shapes. Yeah, hundred percent. And if he's uh, on Fafita's edge, oh, look out! Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hammer is—he's going to be very cheap based yes. on the back end of the Cowboys season. He's also going to be playing fullback, so you're going to get all the kick returns and tackle busts from that, and you can slot him into the center position, assuming that's still yeah. part of his in there. So that is going to be a Pretty much a no-brainer. Well, on my bench, so I said about my starting four. I've actually got Aaron Shop, Gerald, hey. Skel- Gerald Skelton, and Isaac Targo. Skelton, I'm bloody excited. Same. He's been so much fun to watch in New South Wales Cup for his few games. He, he looks dangerous, honestly. He's a beast. He's with- massive. Shop near leaving, he could probably slot in, maybe. Yeah, it'll, it'll be him or Alamotti, I think. Yeah, okay. Is that Paul Alamotti? Or something? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, finally, oh, but so I think Targo will be have another excellent season because yep. I think he'll be more of that ball playing edge person with kick out now gone. Hmm. He's um, on Luai's side as well. Yeah, and which is a nice thing. Hundred percent. And we got Luai coming off like a solid performance in the World Cup. I know we kind of hated on him because he didn't do good against England, and that kind of defined everyone's perspective about him for the rest of the World Cup. But he proved a lot of people wrong, including myself. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, same here. I um. I'm I'm trying not to overrate Luai too much after it, but I also think I need to try not to underrate him. Yeah, because he definitely he definitely performed very well there, and so obviously we always talk about him needing a dominant half, but he didn't really have one there with Milford. He kind of had to go and take the game into his own hands, and he did just that. I still have my opinion, and I'll stand by this opinion that if he is on the back foot. He can't perform to high standards. If he's on the front foot, he can perform. He has a high ceiling on the front foot. Yeah, I think he's like a dream on green type player in the NBA where he he turns a good team into a great team. Yeah. 
And I think he's because he's a five eight that stays in his pocket really uh, on that left side of the field. Yeah, he doesn't move versus that. Yeah, versus you roaming five eight. But I think I've learned to not. Uh, I think honestly, you, 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 he should stay in that back pocket. Because I was just thinking, mm. what if he does like a 76? I've mentioned 76 on the podcast before, where you yeah. have that linkage between your two halves. You don't need that. You have Isaiah Yo for that. Yeah, it's it's more of a 137. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes it is. And you have, like you can get your, um... oh fuck, I can't think of the word now for it. What's two on one? What's that called? An overlap. And you got an overlap yes. on that edge of Targo and Ghana. That would be good. Like, Ghana yeah. could get, get some points for you. Um, well, Luai's lateral quickness helps a lot on yeah. icing those overlap opportunities because he can very quickly skip along to the yeah, that right three to a defender. That right footstep can be really good. Um, yeah. And that, I think, although I do think some of that can come off Appy. So again, you got that yep. big exclamation question mark over how Lots of questions. Yeah. The trials will be interesting to see. I do hope that Ivan clearly will play a spine like the the sp- like the regular spine because this could define um if I go from Cleary to Nico. Mm. Um to be honest with you, so yeah, I I just have like a lot of big questions because, like I've said on the podcast before, again, while Appy is small, Mitch Kenny has big shoes to fill. Clever. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so Mitch Kenny has a lot of weight on his shoulders coming into this preseason and into the following season. Yeah, especially coming off the back to back as well. Mm. I, I think he will be f- targeted by the media, unfortunately. And the Panthers will need to adapt to this new play style if they don't play similarly. Yeah. I, all I It'll know, take time. Sorry? It'll take time. Yeah. All I know is that um, 360 is going to have a field day ripping on this poor kid. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I don't even want to think about 360. I think it's going to be too many, too many articles about the Tigers. It's a, it's, it's, a it's all they do of a show, to be honest. All we do is talk like, about you, the West you, Tigers every week. Did you see the article that Kenty wrote after the chairman of Dragons supported Brett Finch? <laughs> the one defending Craig Young. And calling everyone snowflakes. It's like, yeah, we're going to rip on a guy who supported a um, child, a a person who assaults children. Of course we're going to fucking rip on this dude. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, But... I just... I get that he's a shock jock and he's got to go against the grain, but jeez. There's a line you... Gotta keep within, and he he didn't keep within that line. 
Yeah, well, he's, he already made Gaia pretty mad, I believe. Yeah, um, with that Ricky Stewart. Ricky Stewart, yep. So he's... He just... He seems to make a lot of... it. It's not just making readers mad, it's making real-life people that mm. actually, you know, are in his circles mad, so... Um, I never knew anything of that Mark Guy story. Any, like, I still haven't looked into it, but, like, if it is... There's, it was pretty fucked up from what I did see. Yeah, basically, it was a... It, it wasn't Guy's daughter. It was just her being unfairly targeted by a meme page. And so, obviously, as Mark Guy says, it caused a lot of pain for her and for his family. Mm. And very different to the scenario that Hans tried to compare it to. Yeah. Um, moving on to our final position of the night, which is going to be the fullback. So yeah. I've actually elected to go with Hammer 2 in this fullback position. He's going to be uh, yeah. cheap, like you said. I put him in my centre, my fullback. I've gone for someone else. For my, So who are you going with? James Tedesco. Yes, great, solid the most, pick, very solid. The world's most basic pick, but it's, you know, obviously, he's he's a guy that can put up two to 300 metres a game. He can bust 10 tackles doing so. Best support runner in the NRL. Sets up tries, scores tries, no-brainer. He's going to be great off those uh, cheese flavour balls. Yeah. Well, that's assuming Cheese isn't playing hooker, which I think will happen. Well, like, just like a dummy half-scoot from Cheese from, like, a marker oh, yeah. offside, and then boom. Yeah. I carry by Tedesco, and then the Roosters on the front foot. Yeah, well, he's, he's an absolute class player, so I think he'll go pretty well. I've gone... I wouldn't say he's risky. I would say he's... He's not a proven scorer. No. He's super coach. Yeah. But how? For myself, for my fullback, I don't know how to label him. I don't want to call him risky. I don't want to call him safe. I would call it in the middle. That's Tommy Turbo. Calculated gamble. Ooh. I've gone That's a t- nice pick. He's discounted. He's only played seven games. He's coming off a shoulder injury. He's under a new coach. My main big upsell on him is the workload he could produce and that discounted price. He's he's um I had a look today. He's projected to only be five hundred K. Jeez. I might even have to look into that. That's wow. So, to me, I think Turbo is a option that you could generally have for the first couple of rounds. They do have some shifty. The first four rounds, they do, however, face some shifty competition. They face the Bulldogs, Sharks, a bye, and then Eels. Is. So, could I be going a bit too early on Turbo? Maybe. However, well, that's what we're here for, isn't it? Yeah. Doing things way too early. 
he won't gain any price rise until after round four because he. I'm thinking. I'm thinking they're keeping it the same. So if a team has a buy, they won't gain any. Like price, like that won't count as like a third game. So any none of the dragons boys will be will be behind. That all the dragons boys will be behind from the first week because they don't play until round two. Mm. I've elected not to go any dragons because I want a full. Like a full side going into round one. I yeah. haven't done a lot of buy planning with this side. That will come in at a later date. However, the I did have a look. If I the first buy for cows is pretty late. And if I have a look again oh, if it will load, please. Teams who finish buys first are Titans, Tigers, and Sharks. Longest period until the first buy is Broncos round 16, Rabbitohs round 16, Cowboys round 15, and Eels round 14. So those four teams are pretty solid. You won't have to worry about buy planning around them. Not too bad. Yeah. I... So we had a... We had an increase of trades this season. I can't remember how many. Do we... Do you think they keep the trades the same or do they increase? Because each team has to have three buyers this season. I think we might see a slight increase. I hope so. Oh yeah, hopefully so. Then again, it could be interesting to see trade management become a bigger part of the game. Yeah, that's true. Um, see, I was a bit of a dummy, and likewise, I traded every week. Same. I, Absolute noob move. I like. I just got a bit frustrated with some people, and I just like traded them out. Um, Tony Staggs being one of them. Actually, I think I kept Stags for way too long. I didn't trade him out until like mid-season. And, that, and at that point, he only I, had two good games. I had him and I traded him out after two weeks, uh, which was a good decision because after I traded him out, he was up against Holmes, I believe. Oh, and so yeah. he got wrecked that game. And he so. got made um, Holmes' son. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. It, yeah, it's going to be interesting because roster management is going to be vitally important this season. Yep. And saving trades may have to come in. Origin time is going to be a bitch, more of a bitch than usual. Yeah, well, I remember I picked a bunch of guys who ended up making their debuts. Uh... Nanai being one of them. Mm. Was I was very happy with that pick. I'll tell you that. I. It's going to be a rough season, I think, because a lot of people are going to have to relearn the system. Mm. And we don't have we don't know how long this will be, for we don't know if an eighteen club will come in, or 
then it will come in. The North Sydney Bears are still trying to get, um, like, funding. They currently have a campaign saying the more membership memberships we can sell, the more chances we have of getting into the NRL again. They will go to Perth and they will like it. <laughs> we are not having another Sydney team, please, Lord. No, just uh, bring back the Adelaide. Was it in Adelaide Rams? Bring back Rams. Bring back- Rams, let's go. Oh, get another Kiwi side in there. Oh, God, we can't even manage the one Kiwi yeah, side. I know. Get the north, Let's... give the Warriors the south side the lo- of the island. Give the... the last thing the Warriors need is more competition <laughs> for signing youth over there. They've already got the bloody All Blacks to compete with. Mmm. That's true. And then that's, that's not including the, like, every NRL team has their grotty hands there. So the Cowboys, they, they have a Cowboys Academy in New Zealand. Yeah, how do you think Henry Tietau got over here? Yeah, well, it's, that's... Weird. We poached him from fucking the Warriors side and he came here. Who's was... this again? Um... Henry Tietau, so he's a Cowboys young gun. Ah, okay. He's from New Zealand, and yeah. he won APC this year and Confro with us. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so he's, he's a mate of mine. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, yeah, not, not just that, but also um, Griffin Neem, I believe. Dejan Arce, when he was there. Oh, so, Arce signed with Parramatta. Yes. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad he's getting a bit of a um chance still. Yeah, I hope we get to watch him play. He's he's an incredibly talented player. Uh, allegedly, the work ethic isn't quite there, but I don't really care about that as long as he puts up those big bombs. So, please, we, we miss watching Mustard. Oh, we love it. Um, all around, how do you, are you happy with your side? What it'll probably be very different to the one that takes the uh fantasy field in round one, though, because yeah. obviously we've got all stars and we've got the preseason happening before then. I'm still a bit shaky on my forwards, the backs I'm okay with. I think I've got my hooker selection down pat, it's just the front row forwards that I will be changing, mm. I think, at this stage. Cobo might even go a bit. At the door. But, well, Clubos look like a unit this year. Maybe you can ask the developers to make him a prop. Yeah, look, to be honest. Have know. you seen the preseason photos? He is Jack. Is he? Yep. Liver Cobos. King diet, man. Liver King diet. I'm telling you. <laughs> he's, he's a unit. His arms are a bit bigger. Keep him in your team. He's busting more tackles this year. I mean, as long as you give Stags early ball. <laughs> That's not his job. He's on the edge. Wait. Who's the Stags? No one's giving Stags early ball. What meme took out meme of the year at the um 
Premium Plus Awards. Uh, that was the Cowboys victory video. Fuck. Okay, that was good. But honestly, Stag's early ball should should have gotten something. <laughs> it's worth it. Everyone, every like Fox League pundit, legitimately just kept saying it before every single game, and then Stags would go on to play even worse. And it would just, it was. <laughs> You know, I feel like there's some players where media pundits will just invent the most bizarre excuses for why they're not playing well. Before, uh, look, when the Broncos come up to North Queensland, I'm just going to have a sign saying, give Stags early ball. <laughs> I'm curse him, all right? It would be lovely. <laughs> it's the one I'm saying, give Stags late ball. Buddy Reno just throws his hospital passes all game. Been to DCE into um, Renault's game. <laughs> um, but I think this is going to be it for us tonight. Yeah. So hopefully, we're a pro book segment. Hopefully, we're back next week. Um, we've been very we- inconsistent, which we apologize for. Even on the page doing posts, it's getting to that time of the off season where a lot of the news is very slow and there's not a lot to talk about. Mm. I think next week, uh, I'm going to discuss it with Jacob after the podcast ends and, uh, for this episode and um, we'll see how we go. But until next time, whenever that may be, what do we love? Our footy. We love our footy. Thanks, everyone.